This is the final word, Australia, South Africa, women's test daily from the WACA. Uh, not that we're at the WACA, but Jeff Lemon and Barrett Sunderason watching on from a distance today. Um, couldn't be there, probably best that we weren't because it was 43 degrees um, and it didn't look like a whole lot of fun for, even for the people watching on, let alone the ones playing. But the show is brought to you by Seabus Super, by the way. You, Barrett, are going to tell me all about the day's play in the space of 30 seconds. Well, a lot happened, so I will struggle to put it in 30 seconds, but here we go. Darcy Brown strikes with the new ball, two back-to-back wickets, and then Annabelle Sutherland runs through the middle order. Darcy Brown returns, takes five wickets. South Africa blown away for 76. Uh mainly because of a last-wicket partnership. But then Australia start poorly, 3 for 12. They're in all sorts of trouble. Alisa Healy plays probably her best test innings, but she falls one shot of 100, falls for 99. Beth Mooney does what she does, but also falls short 20 runs or 20 odd runs of 100. Australia are 175 ahead. All that in just today's play. There we go. Uh, that was that was pretty much everything, and that felt like it just about thirty seconds. I like it. Um, it was it was it was a Beth Mooney digging Australia out of trouble day again. Like how many times can she do that job? Um, it was a remarkable story with Healy at the end that we'll come to probably um, in in about ten minutes' time, and maybe some of that in the Hall of Fame as well. But let's let's start at the beginning. A very good place to start. It was. I mean, I felt. For South Africa today, you've got this, this South African women's team. They played a test against England, um, was it last year, about a year ago. Um, they they played, the one before that was in 2014. Pretty sure Marizan Cap's the only remaining player from that 2014 test match, although Dana van might come back and play again for the South African national team. But they played 13 test matches in total dating back to 1960. Um, at 1960 for those 13 games. And there's no Red Bull domestic cricket in South Africa, obviously, because there isn't anywhere else either. To come in to this situation and be plonked into a test and be expected to perform, this is, this has always been the dilemma with women's test cricket, that if it's not adequately supported before you play the test matches, then how can you expect players to be up to the standard once they do play test cricket? And... They just looked overawed today, South Africa. They they won the toss. They lost the toss, rather. They got asked to bat first. Uh, you know, initially I thought that might have been in their best interest because it was so hot today and it was um, scheduled to be. Well, the forecast is that it would be cooler on day two. So, the the thought was if you can bat through day one and make the other team bowl all day, and then you get to bowl when it's twenty nine instead of forty three. Well, then that'll be in your best interest. But they fell apart. They were pretty much gone by lunch. Eight down by the lunch break. And and it, there was some good bowling from Australia, but it wasn't absolutely unplayable bowling. It just looked like there were there were a lot of loose shots outside off stump. Everybody was feeding the cordon, and the South Africans looked like a team who were overwhelmed by the occasion. Overwhelmed, and also like a team who were trying to learn on the job. Right, the the red ball was shiny, and it was swinging around quite a bit. Uh, to start with, uh, and at many levels, you felt like they were stuck in between. Uh, oh, we'll play what we know, or the we'll play the way we know to play. Oh, but then, oh, this is test cricket. Oh, we're just played over four days. Uh, we need to play it differently. And I thought uh, Chloe Tryon's innings kind of summed it up. I mean, she it's not like she hung around for too long, but uh, generally we've seen 
when she's out there, she plays her shots, but she was around for 17 balls. And in that space, she saw a lot of wickets fall at the other end as well. And it's only after what they were seven down or so or six down, she says, oh, I need to play some shots. Uh, and she didn't commit to that drive, did she? Uh, and, you know, that kind of summed up South Africa for me. But even before we got here, I don't know whether even Australia thought uh, the pitch would favor the fast bowlers as much as it did. You know, not only uh, has, has the... The, uh, the stats for this season at the WACA supported spinners. Uh, uh, Corey Rochicelli obviously has been leading the the wicket takers chart, the wicket taking chart for the best in Australia in the Shield. Uh, but Australia brought back Sophie Molyneux and they picked three spinners and they didn't even have to go to spin, did they? Like so, it was just um, mm. all, all seam and, and and the ball was jagging around. Uh, like you said, there was some really good bowling. Darcy Brown was quick, should have had a wicket, and then does get the wicket uh, in. Her her first over and then gets another one soon after. Um, Annabel Sutherland mm. was hooping it around. Lee Sperry was doing the same. So if it came Garth for that matter. So I think, yeah. Yeah, it, more it, than it, all, any of them. All of them, right? Like, yeah. And so maybe that, so even that didn't go according to predictions, right? Like, so maybe South Africa or even Australia would have felt, okay, uh, put them in, but uh, we have the bowling depth. And, uh, you know, I, I mm. think one of them spoke during the break and that's exactly what they said. I think one of their coaches spoke and said, we just backed our depth to do get the job done. Uh, and, and I guess in a four-day test as well, if you want to force a result, it's easier to do it this way, right? Put the, put the opposition mm. in, the inexperienced team in, bowl them out the way Australia have, and then you can dictate terms like Australia have done. Yeah, absolutely. Dictating terms um, by the time they got to stumps, although it didn't look like that that way for a while. Um, to to go through the early stuff, this this was quite interesting. So Beth Mooney drops a catch off Annika Bosch, and then Elisa Healy takes one a couple of balls later. Then Elisa Healy drops a catch off Laura Wolvart, um, and then Beth Mooney takes Wolvart the very next ball, but it's in the next over. So so poor Kim Garth, who bowled beautifully off the top, had the ball hooping away, and and then was getting the to land on the seam and angle back in, had one go just over the stumps. She gets the catch dropped that Darcy Brown picks up the first ball of the next over. Um, and Darcy Brown has a catch dropped and then uh, it takes a wicket herself a couple of balls later. So Darcy Brown cleans up both of them. Um, Tasman Brits batted for a long time with Suno Lease, faced 48 balls but only made five. And then Annabelle Sutherland comes on and she gets a vicious one to, to cut back in. Very good review from the Australians too because it hit her just in line with the off stump. I, I think the umpire maybe thought outside the line and maybe a bit high, but it was going on to hit the top of middle. The review works. Very next ball, Sutherland goes through Delmi Tucker who just poked fairly half-heartedly at one and, and edged it back onto her stumps. Um, and then Suno Lees, who was the only batter who looked comfortable out there, made 26, pushed the ball around, just picked up singles, only hit one boundary, but uh, she makes 26 and then she's out to a, a bad shot to, uh, having a, a a big drive, bigger drive than necessary outside off stump and edging it away for Sutherland's third. We sort of buried the lead as well that Marazan Cap didn't play. Um, she apparently fell sick yesterday, the day before the game, and was so ill that, that they were trying to figure out whether she was well enough to travel home to be sent back to South Africa. So we don't know exactly what the issue is with her, but she must have been very sick to be willing to, well, to be to be forced into missing a test match. Um, so that's why Delmi Tucker was was playing in the middle order. And then Talia McGrath comes on and, and doesn't actually bowl that well, but no. suddenly she's got two for four. She gets Nadine de Klerk um, cutting one into the cordon and Sinello Jafter, the, the keeper, gets a little feather on the toe of the bat, which she didn't even know that she hit. She reviewed it after she was given out. 
but she had hit it. And they were both rank short wide balls from McGrath in between all the ones going down the leg side. And, and despite bowling that way, suddenly she's got two wickets for four runs off the first three or four overs that she bowled. So seven for 50 at that point. And then, like you said, Chloe Tryon going, okay, well, I, I might as well start trying to smash a few. And the first one she goes after, she drilled it. It was hard and flat, but straight at Perry at mid-off. So eight down at lunch. They come back after lunch. Malaba uh, falls in the first over after lunch, hits one four down the ground and then edges one into the cordon. And then, yeah, it was 19 runs added for the last wicket. There's a a little Shamar Joseph flurry um, between Halubi on debut, batting with Mazabata Class, who whacked a few and was the only player aside from Suno Lee to get into double figures. So all that for 76, nine single-figure scores. Um, and it's their lowest ever bowled out score. I mean, South African women, like I said, they haven't played a lot of test matches, but they've been bowled out in 18 of their test innings, and this was the lowest score they've ever made. So um, it was it was pretty dire stuff. And I mean, really, the surprise was that they came back and, and class bowled so well off the top of the Australian innings and picked up three wickets um, for almost nothing. And, and you know, when class started her spell, the first ball was down, down. Uh, Phoebe Litchfield's pads uh, just uh, went away. Uh, uh, did it go for four? No, I don't think it went for four. A couple went, of leg buys. A couple yeah, of leg buys. But, uh, you could see her reaction right after that ball. Um, she w- wasn't so confident with that red ball. You could just see that she wasn't sure how much it was going to move. And then what she produced after that uh, was great. And it's a great story as well. I mean, she's we had to wait a long time for this opportunity. Uh, you know, she's a mother as well. And uh, everything she's done, and it almost feels like she's uh, got the second wind in her career. Uh, and uh, yeah, she really did uh, set the cat amongst the pigeons for, for Australia. Uh, and it was classy bowling as well, right? Classy new ball bowling, getting Perry, mm, Perry just swing. like driving outside. Yeah, with the outswinger. Uh, and, and then uh, McGrath the same way as well. So at three for 12, yeah, they, they seemed in all sorts. But even before then, going to, back to South, the South African innings, that eight for 55, you thought they might get bowled out in one session. Right, so uh, mm-hmm. one more wicket, and they might have extended the 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 lunch session, which doesn't happen very often in Test cricket. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, like we've seen uh, throughout this home summer uh, with the men's Test, the tenth uh, wicket partnership uh, uh, in for the opposition always seems to work. It did for Pakistan, it did for West Indies for sure, and uh, another one that uh, took South Africa from a, a pitiable state to well, uh, still a pitiable state, but at least uh, yeah. made sure that they didn't get bowled out in one session. Uh, but at three for 12, you're like, ooh, w- w- two more wickets. But you, hmm. e- even before uh, Healy and uh, Mooney started her partnership, you still were aware of the depth of Australia, right? That's why every time you yep. see them play test cricket, you're like, oh, the batting hmm. lineup doesn't end. You have to go all the way down to Darcy Brown and even she can throw her bat around. Uh, so you knew someone would bail them out. Uh, but like you said, yep. it had to be Beth Mooney. It always is Beth Mooney. Yeah, the the Australian team, they're like the Hydra, right? You chop off a few heads and then, then a few other ones pop up in their place. But but it was it was also a lack of discipline from, from the Australian batting. So, I mean, Litchfield runs one ball off the face of her bat through into a gap between gully and point. Um, risky sort of shot, managed to get it down just enough. I don't think it would have been catchable anyway. Picks up a boundary there and then gets a wide ball angled across her and, and almost on one knee sort of steers it with a almost a horizontal bat into 
onto the court and like genuine slips catching practice kind of stuff and gets caught. And then you've got Perry and, and McGrath driving at balls that they don't need to drive at, um, sort of attacking shots outside the off stump. So it was interesting that, so when Mooney and Healy came together, and bear in mind Healy's been keeping previously and then she's had to run in after about five overs to come into bat at number five, which she wouldn't have been expecting. They come together and, and they said their conversation was put the cover drive away for a few overs, don't, don't play any drives and just wait it out. They, they only really waited for about five or six overs though. Like they just put their shots away for that five or six overs, had a look at it, waited uh, until class had finished a spell. And then it's it's when the bowling changes. Uh, so De Klerk comes on and then Annika Bosch comes on and Moody square drives her for four. And that pretty much changes everything. Healy goes after them at that point. Um, hits a couple of boundaries there, including from De Klerk as well. Mooney hits another one, and then suddenly Healy gets three boundaries in and over from Bosch. They're both on about 20. They're looking great, um, and, and they're playing. It's very offside. It's cover drives. It's cuts, late cuts, anything that was pitched a bit short, which plenty was. Um, and even when they bring Malabo on to bowl spin, she bowls too short and gets cut. Uh, multiple times they try bringing class back but um, she goes for a couple of boundaries there's a there's a that period there by either side of the tee break 13 overs in a row there was at least one boundary every over for 13 overs between those two and by the time that streak finishes Healy and Mooney are both high 40s they both bring up their 50s just after that and you know it felt like really it didn't matter what happened in the Australian innings from there the game was in their control um, even if things had fallen apart after that. And that's when the drive fest starts, right? Uh, and again, it was the lack of experience or the inexperience of the South Africans uh, coming through. We saw it with the bat, like you said. They felt a little uh, overawed by the challenge of the swinging red ball. Uh, but with the ball, it has you need discipline, don't you? I mean, you need to kind of bowl dry overs. Uh, even if, say, you're not getting that wicket after you've... Uh, uh, created a collapse early on or produced one so uh but yeah those, those 30 you know was really summed up uh, why test cricket is always challenged regardless of whether it's men's or women's test cricket uh it's the big step up right like you cannot uh you speak to a batters who come through the ranks from a batting perspective they'll always speak about the frequency of uh loose balls just reducing from one level to the other uh, and like you know, having to wait for a long time uh, against quality attacks. Uh, so, which South Africans felt like you spoke about uh, uh, Tasman Brits and her innings, where she waited and waited and waited, and when she didn't get a, a boundary ball, she went looking for one and got out. Or she she got the in swinger, but a lot of the other batters got out that way, uh, which mm. didn't happen from the South African perspective. There were just easy pickings after a while, uh, and that's how you build test innings, don't you? I mean, Beth Mooney's done yeah. it. Uh, across all formats that's what she does but it was good to see Elisa Healy also uh, get into the mix she played a crucial hand in the ashes last year uh, at Trent mm-hmm. Bridge uh, but this just felt like her at being at her best at uh, in test cricket anyway yeah, she did. She wasn't having to fight for it. She played that kind of counter-attacking way that she does. She took them on. She played the pull shot. She was able to loft over mid-on and Played those attacking kind of shots, you know, not not in a, a cavalier kind of way, but just in a calculated sort of way. So she brings up her 50 off about 59 balls, I think it was. Mooney was off about 80 balls. 
you know, slightly slower because she'd, she'd had to grind out more at the start when wickets were falling at the other end. Uh, they put on 155 together before Mooney edges into the cordon. Uh, Nadine de Klerk gets the wicket, Mooney for 78. Um, but then it's the Annabelle Sutherland show and we saw her 100 in the Trent Bridge test and she played some lovely shots, played that on drive down the ground that she played. The crossbat shots were strong. So she's 54, not out by the close. Uh, but it was interesting when Delmi Tucker came on to bowl. She's a sort of all-rounder bowl some off spin, and she was she came on very late in the day, but bowled a few overs. And I just thought she looks difficult to deal with here. Like the the ball was holding up a little bit. She was she got a couple to really turn, and and I was I was just interested every time she had the ball in her hand. I thought, well, something might just be happening here, and indeed. It is. It does. You know, Healy goes from 97 to 99 with a couple, um, and then she just gets a ball that dips on her a little, uh, maybe gripped a bit, closes the bat face a bit early, pops up a leading edge, and Tucker takes a really good court and bold, having to tumble forward and across to her left to get there. Healy gone for 99 just before stumps. Um, we'll, we'll come to some of that in the Hall of Fame in a second, but 251 for five is the Australian score. Um, that lead is 175. But yeah, the, the Tucker intervention was interesting later in the day, given that Australia didn't need to use spin at all. Uh, and kind of tells you that uh, what everyone's been saying about that whacker pitch is true. You're right. As soon as she came on and uh, was bowling slower than the other spinner, uh, the ball was gripping. Uh, it wasn't easy to like that. Suddenly, even the well-set Australian batters were str- struggling to just time the ball. Or not struggling, but didn't look as comfortable timing the ball as they were against the other bowlers. And I think that, that's the nature of uh, this whacker pitch. Uh, and the weather as well. The sun had really pounded down on that pitch, uh, on that surface throughout the day. Whatever little moisture would have been there would have been uh, would have evaporated uh, long before we got to that stage. Uh, and yeah, uh, and again, like if, if I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the Healy finish or the uh, Healy not scoring 100 in the Hall of Fame, but uh, it, it was just a, a consolation for, for South Africa because the game already is moved on so far away from them. I mean, based on how they went in the first innings, Australia could well just declare now and finish the mm. game off in another session. I mean, that's not how Test cricket plays out most times, but that's the kind of position Australia are in right now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they call it off by lunch tomorrow, um, for instance, if they're still batting at that point. All right, let's go to the Hall of Fame. The final word, Hall of Fame, where we pick our most final word moments of the day. Um, now, players getting out for 99, people are always interested in this. The real the real burn of that for Healy, I think, will be the ball beforehand on 97, pulls it out to deep mid-wicket. It, it was Tasman Brits, wasn't it? It came running around the boundary rope, slid, had her foot perilously near the rope as she taps the ball back in. And they stopped and looked at it for about 60 seconds, went back and forth over the angles, the slow-mo and all the rest of it. And Healy was sort of laughing about it. And eventually they rule that she saved the ball and tapped it back in um, and that it's only two runs, so Healy's on 99. A couple of balls later, she gives up the catch but you'd almost I would have thought as a batter I I think you would rather them just say that's two runs straight away and not make you wait for that minute to just stand around waiting to see whether you've got a hundred or not because if the foot's touching the rope it's a ton Um, and then it isn't and you've got to recompose and I just wonder whether that was the thing that that shook her concentration enough that meant that the wicket fell it almost would have been in her interest to not have them look for the extra couple of runs and just accept that as two and go on and hit the next ball. It, it was a nothing shot as well that she got out to, right? Gets the leading edge where she doesn't get to the length of the ball, another ball gripping uh, from the spinner, Taka, and then she closes the face of the bat a bit too early. And it, 
she wasn't even trying to force it through mid-wicket. Uh, and there was a boundary fielder or a fielder on the boundary. So she would have got the single. But she's just turning her wrist. And you're right. I mean, in that, it, all it takes is that split second of concentration to just drop, right? And you could see her smiling. She was very keen on the single of the next ball, pushed it into the covers, looked for a single, couldn't get it. Uh, and, and that's how that's how these things work, uh, don't they? And uh, I mean, it, it is quite something that you know, the first thing that uh, I saw on social media is how both husband and wife now have uh, the, the same highest test score, one shot of 100. Yep. <laughs> they do, actually. And yeah, as, as they pointed out on commentary, it was nice that that came up on Valentine's Day. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's actually one day later, uh, but a little bit of creative license being taken there. Um, I liked uh, I liked the fact that Darcy Brown was kept on. She, so she bowled a huge full tossed way down the leg side that was called a no ball. So five no balls because it went to the fence. She bowls another one down the leg side that was perilously close. I mean, she could have been pulled out of the attack at that point. But they were nine down South Africa and she had four for And so Healy could have taken her off at that stage, but Healy left her on and it's the next over where she bowls a much better ball. A little wider on the crease, angles it in, um, gets through the number 11 and knocks over her leg stump and gets her five-wicket haul. So I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed that it was Beth Mooney in the heat again. I mean, we saw her with the ice collar in the WBBL final a few years ago and um, she, she's she's one of the most pale, fair, complexioned kind of people who does not look built to be out in the blazing sun. So she was out there for most of the day batting when it was 43 degrees. Um, and, and my last one is... Poor old Sophie Molyneux, who, you know, knee injury, out for a year, stress fractures, out for another couple of years, last played in 2021, comes back into the squad, somehow pushes Jess Jonathan out of the test team, which is no mean feat. Jess Jonathan also has a test match 99 to her name, um, as well as her bowling skills. So Molyneux, she's back, she's playing test cricket, and she doesn't even get a bowl in the first innings because um, the other team get Rochambeau'd for nothing at all. Oh, there is an outside chance that she doesn't get to bat in this innings and doesn't get to bowl in the second mm. innings. So it could be. Thanks a, for coming. I know exactly. So that's where uh, that's how this game uh, is headed. I, I love the Mooney thing as well. I think Megan Schutz. Uh, comment on Channel 7, I think, where she said our responsibility is to make sure that she doesn't turn into a tomato. And she nearly did <laughs> look like she was turning into a tomato every time the camera panned on to her. Uh, but yeah, it was a gamble uh, to bowl first on a hot day like that. But again, I think it was a, uh, it, it was a very calculated gamble and it has uh, mm. paid off for Australia. I don't know what uh, we can expect tomorrow. I mean, it looks... Like this game will just continue to speed through. Uh, a lot of power hitters left for Australia to come. Gardner's just walked out. Uh, we all know how quick Annabel Sutherland scores. So they could, like you said, battle lunch and set this game up for an early finish. Yeah, 100, 100 in the session by lunchtime and see if they could have it, uh, have it done in a couple of days and not have to come back when it's 40 degrees on day three. All right. I think that is enough from us, the final word. Australia, South Africa, daily, the women's test from the Wacker. The show is brought to you by Seabus Super. Uh, if you want to sort out your retirement, seabussuper.com.au. Check them out. Over 900,000 Australians have their super with Seabus. Past performance, not a reliable indicator of future performance. Jeff Lemon and Barrett Sundarason will be back with you on day two. See you then. I ain't protected by the way I ain't fenced in my future questions, my current senses. That'll be the same. Been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty, but 